Welcome to the Arrow at Heart podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. It has been a minute, but I'm back. <laughs> I have been so crazy busy finishing Charming Dr. Forrester for my historical romance pen name, Gemma Frost, getting that published, working on promoting that, and working on my next book in the series, All Rogues Lead to Ruin. So let me catch you up on this author's journey because <laughs> it's been wild. I think the last time I posted a podcast was March 30th. So it's been some months. So if you're still with me, thank you. And I'm sorry that this has taken so long. So Charming Dr. Forrester published officially on April 20th. And it was great. I had some awesome reviews. Most of the people I sent ARCs out to actually reviewed. So that was nice. I know that's not kind of the usual for people, and I appreciate that my art readers actually did leave reviews. To remind everyone, I published wide, so it is not available on Kindle Unlimited. It's on Amazon, but not in the Kindle Unlimited subscription that they have. So you can also read it on Barnes & Noble, Kobo, Nook, I think that's Barnes & Noble, um, Apple Books, basically all the different sites, right? And I did that just because I wanted to have it available, obviously, in more places. I wanted libraries to be able to get the book because I actually, not until this past year, have I started buying books. Normally, I just check them out from the library. So that was very important to me that people could get my book at a library, which is really actually the main reason I decided to go wide. Otherwise, if you do any kind of research, you'll see that going wide versus just publishing on Kindle Unlimited on Amazon is very, very slow going. Um, I mean, obviously, there are those that get lucky or have a massive amounts of money behind them to market. And those are like kind of the exceptions because it's really slow to kind of build your readership and community like normally, right? But then to try and get people to buy your book on all these other sites that really don't, they don't really put a lot into promoting people, I don't think, or they don't make it easy for you to promote if you like have no budget like me. Whereas at least on Kindle Unlimited, Amazon pushes those books because it's their platform, right? So it's been slow on the wide platforms with Charming Dr. Forrester. I have sold, because I don't know how taboo it is to share actual numbers, but I appreciate numbers. And I mean, these are approximate. They may not be exact, but just to give an idea, I have sold about 75 books and that's paperback and eBooks included. And I mean, it's been, let's see, April, May, June, July, beginning of August, about four months. So four months, 75 books. I'm not too upset about that considering most self-published books will sell maybe like 200 books in their lifetime. I'm pretty sure I read that somewhere. So I'm almost halfway or at the point where I've sold half as many as I'm going to sell for the whole book's life. And it's only been four months. So that's not too terrible in my mind. So that's Charming Dr. Forrester. And that's kind of how that's going. I priced it at $2.99 to start. And it's a 43,000 word novella. 
So I priced it at $2.99 to get the 70% royalties on Amazon and whatever the royalties on are on all the other sites. I use Drafted Digital to distribute the books to all the other sites. Just going to throw that out there. And I didn't see a lot of traction at $2.99. Now, granted, I may not have waited long enough to see traction. And this book really was supposed to be kind of like a throwaway for me, not in the aspect of like it sucks or I didn't put any effort into it, but just it was basically the book to get my name out there, get some exposure, lead people into wanting to read the other books and buying the other books. So this one wasn't meant to really like make me money. But when you spend so much time and money, because I did, you know, pay for the cover and professional editing, all that jazz, you kind of become resistant to the idea of something being a throwaway and just giving it away for free. So I'm like, I'm going to price it at $2.99 and see what happens. Well, nothing was happening fast enough for me. So I ended up dropping it down to $0.99 for some promotional periods. I did some newsletter promotion type things to get it out there. And it's currently still on the 99 cent promotion on all platforms. We'll see if I raise it back up to 2.99. Um, people seem more inclined to buy it at 99 cents. So yeah, I guess I might leave it there for a bit. The thing with, this is kind of a tangent. The thing with pricing books, because this is, you'll see a lot of questions if you're in any author forums or groups, is what should I price my book at? And they'll give you the word count or the pages. And a lot of people will be like, well, look at what the other authors in your niche are pricing their books at, right? Sound advice. I would recommend, you know, looking at that. But there's always a but. If you look up the like 30 minute romance short read categories, because I'm specifically in romance, so I can't speak for like mysteries or thrillers or any other genre or subgenre except for romance. So keep that in mind while I'm saying this. If you look up 30 minute short reads on romance in Amazon or like the 60 minute short reads or the 90 minutes, you know, they, they have them broken down into how long it would take you to read. And the page counts are like the 15 minute, I think is like one to 11 pages. The 30 minutes is 12 to 25 pages, you know, something like that. If you look at these books, which are short novelettes, really, although no one ever uses the word novelette, people are still pricing these books at $2.99 and they are significantly shorter than, well, even my 43,000 word novella right? But people are buying books at $2.99 and they're buying, some people serialize these things. So they only have 11 pages for a book, like part one. Someone will buy it at $2.99 and then the next part is $2.99. So there are readers who will spend this kind of money on a book no matter the price. And in my mind, that is still a hurdle to get over because this goes back to I never buy books, right? Until this past year, I always get them from the library. So spending $2.99 for 11 pages is mind blowing to me. $2.99 for their 43,000 word novella like Charming Dr. Forrester. Okay, I can get behind that. But here I am, no one paying $2.99 for my book. Granted, it was the first one I wrote. It's the only one I've published so far. I'm sure that has something to do with it. Okay. So that's Charming Dr. Forrester, currently at 99 cents. So if you haven't read it, go get it. (laughs) Moving on to the official first book in the Garden Girl series, All Rogues Lead to Ruin. If you recall, Charming Dr. Forrester 
is a prequel kind of separate. It's set in the same world, but it's separate. It's not book one. It's like book 0.5. <laughs> and it, you don't really need to read it to understand book one because everything's a standalone. So book one of the Garn Girl series, All Rogues Lead to Ruin. I started writing that in March. I finished it, I want to say the end of May. Yeah. So it took me March, April, May, three months to write it. And it came out to about, I want to say like 30,000 words. I'm like notoriously an underwriter. And I think this goes back to like when I wrote my first book. Well, I'm sorry, this is going to be confusing, I think. So the very first book I wrote that is not published because it's the, I wrote the fourth book of the series first was 80,000 words, right? I got to the 80,000 words. Charming Dr. Forrester, the next book I wrote was meant to be 15,000 words because it was supposed to be a short, quick thing, right? To get my name out there. Well, then that bloomed into 30,000 words because I just, I had to fill in things. I just couldn't let it lie. So that became 30,000 words. And then, and then I let people read it and there were comments made. And this is when you really, and I know how hard this is because I'm still dealing with it. If you are a writer, you're looking up, you know, all the advice, all the tips on how to write, you know, like show versus tell and description and world building and all this stuff, which is great up until a point because like I had this, I hesitate to call her a critique partner. I would say she was like a very early beta reader, even if that's not the term I used at the time, because it was like my first time letting anyone read my stuff. She would comment on description and she's like, why are you describing this? You need to describe this, like make it important, basically. So the scenario that comes to mind is I described a tea set, not in great depth. I was just like, oh, here's this tea set and it has these painted flowers on it. And that was the gist, but like prettier worded, right? And she said, well, there's got to be a reason that you pointed out these painted flowers. You know, it needs to be important or just don't describe it. So then, you know, I added a stupid reason like, oh, this reminded me of a tea set I used to have with my mother, you know, whatever, to try and make it important to like characterization. But these comments stuck with me because now, now I will get comments from people about, oh, I I would like more description here or having a hard time imagining this. And this just goes back to the types of readers that you have. Everyone reads differently. Some people want description and some people don't. And in the end, you just have to do what works for you. So now I am trying to unlearn that other girl's preferences, which really stuck with me because she was fairly harsh. And like I said, she was like one of the first people to read any of my writing. And she was not a very good early beta reader or critique partner or whatever, because I gained a lot of issues from that, which is my own stuff I need to work on, I know, but still. So now I'm trying to like undo... (laughs) what has happened with her because if I go back to that very first book I wrote which no one has read yet because like I said it's the fourth one it's a different feel and it has those descriptions and things and as I read it because I've reread it a couple times to kind of get the feel again I'm like oh this person 
would have knocked this down. Oh, they would have said this again, you know, and I really need to get that out of my head. So this is me saying, please, please, please take other writers advice or articles or tips or whatever with a huge grain of salt and don't let it get inside your head because we're all doing our best at trying to do this and what works for someone doesn't work for another person. And also, I'm just going to say a lot of the author groups are filled with people who are first-time authors or they are trying to become first-time authors, like they're still writing their book or they're still thinking about writing a book, but they haven't actually published a book like this girl. She didn't have anything, yet she was critiquing me. So I would just be wary of taking advice from people who aren't where you're at or don't have much to show for all their work. Not to say I don't want to I don't want to be mean and I'm not saying that they haven't done valid research or anything. I just, it's really messed with my head. So I'm just trying to help others maybe not get their head so messed up. Anyway, so that happened, which basically that was a long story to say that I have become an underwriter because I don't write as much description. I write the bare bones like action stuff because I feel like the other stuff is like fluff now, according to that lady. So my first draft of All Rogues Lead to Ruin, because that's what we're talking about here, 30,000 words. I go through it a couple more times because I never just send it off like unedited by me. And I got it to about 54,000 words, I think, 54 or 56,000 words. And I've also, just a sidebar, I've kind of dropped the idea of word count goals as far as like how long I want a book to be. Like my first book, I really wanted it to be 80,000 words because that's like a real book and I hit that number. But then with my second one being at 43,000 words and it was supposed to be 15,000, I was like, that's still a book too. And so with this one, I really didn't set hard and fast rules. I think I might have started out like saying I'll have a 60,000 word goal. And then as the first draft was nearing its end, not near that, that can be kind of demoralizing. So I was like, okay, I'm going to just drop my first draft goal down to, you know, 30,000 or whatever. And once I hit the first draft goal, then I really don't have a word goal after that. It's like whatever needs to be added or taken away, that's just where it's going to end up, right? So once I had all that figured out, I sent it off to betas at the beginning of June. actually used betareader.io, which is a free platform, and readers just request to beta read your book. I got nice comments I ended up having four beta readers. Well, everybody liked it a lot. There weren't any real glaring holes, which is good. The problem is, so the only consensus the four people had was that they liked it, which is great. I like that consensus. But then that means I have to figure out which comments to possibly give more weight to as far as changes. Not that there were a lot of changes requested, but, and not that you have to accept everyone, right? But I would have liked, like, if it was the end, if it was the climax, if maybe two or three people commented on the same thing, not even having to say the same comment about the climax, but if, like, three people comment something on the climax, then you know, like, oh, maybe there's something here I should look at. That didn't happen. No one commented on the same, or not more than one people commented on the same stuff, even if they were different comments. So I'm kind of at a standstill. So it's August and I got my beta reader comments back at the end of June. So it's been a month and I've kind of like let it rest, which I like doing anyway. So you can kind of have a mind break. But 
yeah, I'm having a hard time getting back into it because I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm half tempted to keep it as is and send it to a professional editor and be done. I don't think I can do that, but I'm tempted. I have set a pre-order release date for September 28th, so I will need to start working on it soon because I believe I need to have the final manuscript uploaded to draft to digital and Amazon like 10 days before the release date. So I have a little over a month, although a few weeks of that is going to be in editing. So yeah, we'll see what happens. But that is what's happening on the Gemma Frost writing front. Charming Dr. Forrester has been published. It is available on all platforms for 99 cents. And All Rogues Lead to Ruin, the official book one of the Garden Girl series, will come out September 28th. In what form? I don't know. It's going to be the same as it is now or changed. Unsure. (laughs) But you can pre-order it currently on all platforms as well. And the cover is really pretty, so I would recommend checking it out. Okay, so that is the big update for you all. And I have another secret that I need to share, and that's the next episode. So stay tuned. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you learned a lot in this episode. If you want to stay up with the newest episodes, please subscribe to the Arrowed Heart podcast on Spotify, Apple, wherever really you listen to podcasts. And for more information, you can always find me on Instagram, Facebook at the Arrowed Heart or my pen name at author Gemma Frost. Talk to you later.